Reinvest in your wellness goals this spring with savings on supplements. March 14th and 15th only, I'll be offering 10% off all products in my online full script supplement dispensary. March 14th and 15th, two days only, get 10% off and free shipping on my entire inventory of top supplements at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. It's the safest and most convenient way to purchase my curated supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast, free shipping and optional refill reminders via text or email. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. It's safe, secure, and includes world-class customer service. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com for 10% off and free shipping for two days only, March 14th and 15th. That's DearHoffmanStore.com, DearHoffmanStore.com. Did you know that eating flavanol-rich dark chocolate may be a promising tool for managing cognitive decline? Studies from Columbia and other research centers show the real cognitive benefits of daily cocoa flavanol consumption. Benefits like improvements in executive cognitive function, processing speed, working memory, and mood were observed in studies where participants consumed 500 to 900 milligrams of cocoa flavanols daily. I searched high and low for cocoa products that deliver meaningful amounts of healthful flavanols with great flavor and minimal sugar. I'm thrilled to have found Flava Naturals. Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate Bars and Cocoa Powder deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate. Their secret is sourcing premium, high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to help promote healthy brain function. I use it every day. To order, just go to flavanaturals.com. That's flavanaturals.com. There, you can read about the science behind cocoa flavanols and get great recipes too. That's flavanaturals.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hopp, and today we're going to talk about uh, the theme of physical exercise, but particularly as it pertains to brain aging. Uh, Recently, I came across new research from the University of Georgia that shows that physical activity could help protect your cognitive abilities as you age. And there's lots of reasons to exercise, to protect your heart, Uh, to protect your bones, to reduce blood pressure, to fend off diabetes, to help you lose weight, to make you look good naked. You know, all those are good reasons to exercise. But uh, one of the reasons that I exercise is I want to preserve my cognitive abilities. Yes, I value them. And so too likely do you. And today today we're going to talk to an expert uh, on that subject. Uh, she is Dr. Sabrina Joe. She is a PhD who has decades of experience helping people find ways to become physically active. Uh, she is an ACE certified health coach. ACE, A-C-E, is an acronym for the American Council on Exercise. And she has worked one-on-one with clients as well as led group fitness classes. And she teaches and develops curricula at universities. Uh, She's a graduate of the University of Kansas, where she now resides. And her research interests include understanding how the motivational climate influences optimal experiences. 
because, yeah, motivation is an issue. And if you're having trouble with motivation, well, Dr. Joe is the person to talk to. Uh, Dr. Joe, it's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks very much for joining us. It's great to be here. Thanks so much, Ronald. Yeah, it's my, my pleasure. So, uh, okay, so first of all, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, how exercise may improve cognitive fitness. Uh, what's the evidence and, and on what principle does that operate? Because, I mean, we know that, yeah, muscles, joints, bones, heart, fine. But what about the brain? Great question. <laughs> and the short answer is we aren't entirely sure because this type of research is still emerging. But scientists have several hypotheses about how exercise might help improve cognitive fitness. And, in, and another short answer is that it does um, exercise regularly. Uh, if you do it regularly, can improve cognitive fitness. And so here are the general hypotheses um, to answer your question. We know that general health improves as a result of regular exercise, and that improves brain function just as a general rule. Because if you think about the risk for chronic diseases, such as heart disease and diabetes, is reduced with exercise, and, and the brain benefits from that as well. And one of the ways that it might do this is to reduce inflammation throughout the body. And so another hypothesis is there's an increased ability of the heart to deliver oxygen to the entire body, including the brain, when you're a person who exercises regularly. And this increased cerebral blood flow leads to more nourishment for the brain to carry out its many tasks. The brain loves oxygen, it loves glucose, and having that increased blood flow due to exercise helps helps with that. Um, another concept is that because exercise may help to increase the size and the volume of the brain, which includes the hippocampus, which is a structure that's important um, for memory function, this could have a neuroprotective effect if the brain experiences trauma or mild cognitive impairment. So in other words, you're starting out with more resources to deal with injury or disease in the first place because of the increased brain mass or tissue. And this also includes more growth factors such as brain-derived neurotrophic factor, or maybe you've heard it called BDNF, mm -hmm. and this is linked to new cell growth and learning. And then lastly, I'll just say that we know that exercise helps with stress reduction, which could help with depression and anxiety and avoiding the negative consequences of stress on brain plasticity. And exercise can improve mood, which could lead to more positive psychological well-being and really just being open to doing more things, experiencing new activities, which tends to help with mood and cognition as well. Indeed. And I, I can think of yet another reason, uh, and perhaps you'll bring this up, is that uh, exercise tends to reduce dependency on medications, blood pressure medications, antidepressant medications, uh, diabetes medications, all manner of medications that people may uh, experience if they're suffering from chronic illness. And these medications sometimes come with a toll on the brain, right? And so, you know, yeah. keeping you relatively low on uh, the medication uh, totem pole uh, might actually free your brain to be more 
shall we say, precise in its calculations. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I I don't know of any medication that has no side effects. So I, <laughs> you know, if possible, lowering medication, I think is always a good idea. Indeed. So w when we're talking about this broad concept of cognitive fitness, uh, you know, it's a term that we bandy about. You know, how is that? Is that measured specifically? What does it entail? Uh, memory, reflexes, performance, uh, creativity. What are some of the aspects of that? Yes. So cognitive fitness really just means that a person is within the normal ranges of cognitive performance for their age. And the things that go into testing for cognitive fitness include memory, thinking, learning, recognition, communication, and, and sound decision-making. And having good cognitive health is essential to be self-sufficient and have an independent life. And so are there now increasing numbers of studies? You say the question is not entirely resolved how uh, exercise impacts cognitive fitness. But, uh, you know, I keep seeing article after article uh, suggesting that uh, uh, exercise may stave off Alzheimer's, for example. I mean, it's not foolproof because, yes, there are the outliers. There are the athletes who end up with Alzheimer's. You know, maybe they bang their heads too much on, you know, uh, helmet on helmet, uh, or they've gotten too mm -hmm. many hockey pucks or the head of the soccer ball too much. That's one way where exercise can impair your cognitive fitness. But in general, uh, the studies actually show there's a robust effect of exercise, you know, more so than perhaps some of the medications that we tend to turn to. I'm not sure about the differences between isolating medication versus isolating exercise on the brain function and cognition. Um, but I do know that the, the majority of the studies that we have access to when we're looking at evidence so far tend to be um, the epidemiological studies that, that really just are uh, looking at associations between lifestyle and then cognitive function. Mm -hmm. And so it, what that means is we can make um, correlations, we can make associations between, well, a person who's exercised throughout the lifespan tends to have better cognitive health than a person who was sedentary. Um, but we don't really know the cause of that, like like those real specific details, exactly how is exercise causing this. Um, right. But the evidence is great for the fact that, yes, uh, being physically active, doing regular exercise definitely benefits um, cognitive functioning and cognitive fitness. And, and there might be a little bit of a healthy user effect. In other words, healthier people do exercise more and hence they do better in terms of uh, cognitive outcomes. And uh, they're may also be reverse causation is that, you know, if you've got, uh, you know, a healthier brain, you're, you're gonna gravitate more to exercise. If you're, you know, on your way to dementia, uh, maybe you lose initiative and you, and you don't exercise. There, there's certainly that element. Uh, so I think it's pretty clear that a lifelong commitment to exercise, uh, may yield benefits in terms of the likelihood of cognitive decline or even Alzheimer's. I think that that's pretty well established. But uh, has it been established that uh, late life exercise can have an impact on your likelihood? In other words, say, you know, you're pretty, you know, 
average American, you know, doing less than the requisite amount of exercise. And then you suddenly get religion. You know, maybe you retire at 65, you got a little more time on your hands, you start to exercise. Are there, is there any indication that that would yield benefits? Yes, the good news is that regardless of when you start to introduce physical activity or exercise into your life, it can have positive effects on cognition. Now, depending on what stage you are or, or where you are, in, even in terms of like um, the disease process for Alzheimer's, for example, it will affect your health differently. Um, the the current evidence suggests that if you're already at the point to where you've been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, doing regular exercise won't necessarily improve your cognition. Um, it may help to um, prevent further deterioration mm -hmm. to a small point. Um, slowing it definitely, the progression a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it may help slow the progression to a point. Um, it may also, well, it will also help improve just the general health of the individual, which, as we discussed a little bit earlier, is great for brain health as well. Indeed. So, have we determined what types of exercise are best? You know, you, we can break it down. You're, you're an exercise professional. We can break it down into, uh, you know, strength training or resistance training versus aerobic uh, exercise constituting, you know, walking, bicycling, running, swimming. Those are aerobic activities uh, versus, you know, getting in the weight room or, you know, doing some uh uh, resistance exercise at home, you know, body weight exercises, push-ups, and so on. Uh, or is it a hybrid of those? You're asking all the right questions, Ronald. <laughs> For which we probably don't have precise answers, but I think we're beginning to get, it, you know, intimations as to what the what the secret sure, sauce is sure. here. Yeah. Yes, yes. So um, we know that a variety of exercise modes is great for cognitive functioning. So really variety is an important key term here. So walking, swimming, bicycling, yoga, and Tai Chi would offer variety in low to moderate intensity type of activities, aerobic activities. Um, but strength training is also important. In fact, there appears to be additional benefit when both aerobic and strength training are combined mm -hmm. when we're talking about cognition. And there is some evidence that Exercise paired with environmental enrichment or new or novel stimulus that involves learning in your home or social environment could help with cognitive function more so mm -hmm. than just exercise alone or just enrichment alone. In other words, there's a training effect to learning new routines, uh, creating new muscle memories that actually uh, strengthens the brain. You know, perhaps uh, learning a new unfamiliar skill, something along those lines. Absolutely. That that's kind of it's part of enrichment when you are just learning something new because the learning process is one of those, you know, key assessment factors. And if we can help stimulate that process, that that helps with cognition. Mm -hmm. and, and much is made of something called HIIT. You know, busy people say, look, I don't have a lot of time to exercise. And then there's studies that come out and say, look, if you just really max out, you could you can accomplish uh, what another person might accomplish in an hour and a half. Uh, in, in 20 minutes, you know, it's, it's high intensity interval training. 
it, has that been demonstrated to be superior to say, you know, gradual, uh, you know, an hour a day kind of, uh, uh, moderate workouts? Is intensity a factor? Yes, intensity does appear to be a factor in both, um, increasing fitness um, efficiently in general, just for a general healthy person. But I am aware of one study, I believe, that looked at the higher intensity training with people who were diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And as long as they were able to, um, you know, consistently come in and do the work, like do the actual work that was prescribed, um, then they did receive the benefit of not only improved health, but you know, the, the reduction of the decline of maybe, you know, further um, decrements in cognition. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it wasn't the, the point where, oh, now we're exercising at such high intensity and we're doing it often. And now, now we're seeing reversal that, that mm-hmm. sadly wasn't the case. My impression is that uh, with this, it's sort of an 80-20 principle. You you get about 80% of the benefit with 20% of the effort. And if you want to put in, you know, really, really go to town, you might get an additional 20%. Uh, but it, you, the, you get a little bit diminishing returns as you go real high on the uh, exercise uh, curve. You, it, uh, so... I, I, that should be encouraging results for people who have limitations or, you know, perhaps they're not that fit, that they can gain a lot of benefit from moderate exercise. Yes, because the thing that you're describing about limitations really is um, a key factor in deciding, is an individual going to be able to do such vigorous work? Um, if you have... Uh, joint issues or cardiorespiratory issues, you're just getting into it. Um, you know, higher intensity is fine. Um, I would recommend getting um, clearance from your medical professional <laughs> if right. you're going to go right. do something fairly high intensity. Um, but there's also this psychological factor of some people just don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So lots of things to consider when we're talking about intensity. Right. This, actually, this is what I, I, you know, I do often make uh, exercise recommendations to my patients. So one of the part of the assessment is I ask them, uh, have you ever been very physically active in your life? And some patients will say, you know, I never did. I never was really mm-hmm. into exercise. But other patients will say, yeah, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, I used to, uh, you know, whatever, play tennis or I used to run track. Uh, I used to be very active. I haven't done anything for a couple of decades, but that actually is, is good for their exercise prognosis because they have at least uh, the experience of having exercised and they can sort of resurrect that. They have a, they have an affinity for exercise. Uh, and so the more challenging individuals are people who, who never really embarked on an exercise program and, you know, they're sort of late learners. And perhaps, uh, you know, with the onset of uh, aging and concerns over mortality and <laughs> cognition and what have you, then they, they start to get religion. Yeah. And for those individuals who are just getting into it later in life, evidence shows that there's still great benefit. Everyone should, you know, aspire to be physically active. Um, but I would say that in those situations, it can be really helpful to work with an exercise professional, at least for a few sessions, um, just to really 
understand what your limits and what your tolerances are, but also to find out things that you enjoy and work well for your own body. And sometimes that can be very intimidating um, to try to figure that out on your own. Indeed. And, and that's where ACE comes in. Uh, it is actually a, uh, they're, they're into exercise promotion, but they're also into uh, uh, promoting the exercise profession. Uh, yeah. And with a rigorous certification process, uh, they are the leading nonprofit organization certifying health coaches and exercise professionals. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about uh, ACE and, you know, what do you look for in a personal trainer? Um, I have a personal trainer and, you know, he's certified. Uh, but uh, it, does that matter? I mean, could it, you just have a very talented individual who knows their stuff? Maybe they're an athlete. You know, maybe they've been in martial arts and they kind of know their, the ropes. Maybe they're not certified. Does it matter? We think it absolutely matters for the safety of the consumer um, and just public safety in general. Um, because a person who is certified through an accredited certifying um, body, such as we are, American Council on Exercise is an accredited certification um, for exercise professionals. And when you have when you have work with someone who is certified, then you know that you're getting this minimum level of competency and professional development, such that they they know how to safely and effectively recommend exercise programs based on individualized needs. And the, the, the content that um, a personal trainer learns in order to sit for our certification exam really does, um, you know, check all the boxes when, when we're talking about safety and effect. Um, <laughs> sorry, safety and effectiveness for helping people exercise. And so um, when you're working with someone who doesn't have that credential, it really is um, just like, I, I hope you're lucky. I hope you, you it's kind of a crap shoot. It's kind it's of like, a crap shoot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You said it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you, 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 it's a little indelicate to say that, but you know, that I clearly is because uh, I do remember uh, one workout that I had with a guy who was kind of a muscle head. He says, yeah, he, you know, I was working out in a gym and we were at a convention. And uh, the guy said, hey, you know, let me take you through a workout. Uh, you know, and I I was very fit. I had just completed a marathon. I considered myself extremely fit. And um, he put me through such a rigorous workout without a previous assessment of my abilities. I was very aerobically fit, but from a strength training standpoint, I was, you know, not as fit. Uh, I was, you know, to put it, Kind of indelicately, I was a I was a running fool. I could run, but my muscular development wasn't, you know, uh, upper body wasn't up with that. Put me through such a rigorous workout that I remember uh, it was snowing outside. I walked out on the patio, and I literally passed out in a chair that was covered with snow, and I just threw some ice on my body. Uh, and then I went home. And have you ever heard of the phenomenon of people developing Popeye arms after working out? I had that. It's called rhabdomyolysis. It's very dangerous. Yeah, it can you, actually go into oh kidney my goodness. failure. But I had that, you know, yeah. muscle, uh, yeah. you know, my muscles were so stressed that my arms swollen. and, you know, I look like Popeye. Uh, that's the danger of maybe an overzealous 
<laughs> basically a muscle head, kind of a jock person, without the appropriate uh, training and understanding, and especially working with uh, older clients. Uh, and I was pretty useful then. I was like, you know, maybe 40. Uh, but uh, you, what I want to do in part two is I want to talk a little bit about specifics for uh, you know, middle-aged and older people in terms of you know how to get started, uh, what benefits a personal trainer can offer, what are some of the considerations for people who are older so that they can garner uh, the cognitive fitness benefits of an exercise program, even later in life, even if they've got some physical limitations. I think that that's an important consideration. Our guest is uh, Dr. Sabrina Joe. She's a PhD, uh, is uh, a certified health co- coach and a personal trainer. And uh, worry not, because those are background noises here in New York uh, coming into the background. I'm not succumbing to the effects of overzealous exercise today. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just to make it real, uh, we'll be back in just a moment with part two of today's Intelligent Medicine podcast. 